broadcasting before and probably after the rapture. It's the Drew Marshall Show. Well, what a great song for this, Tim. Well, well, well picked. That was ingenious. It must have been hard to find a love song. Um, I just typed in those four letters. And I have the love language of sarcasm. Yes, you do. And Dr. You Gary Chapman's back on our show, folks. Best-selling author of the five love... Lo- wow. It's been all day I've had this issue. Yes, you have. But we love you anyways. Where are all his books? I had all his books here. One of them there. There was another one here. Oh, everyone in the studio is teething the books. If so many books, Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas, When Sorry Isn't Enough. Lindsay, I'll give that to you. <laughs> uh, the Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. Uh, Lindsay, I'll give that to you. <laughs> and uh, Anger, Taming a Powerful Emotion. Why don't you hold on to that? Yeah, yeah. I was just going <laughs> to. You guys you are beat all me cruel. To it. <laughs> all cruel human beings. Um, I think this might be Gary's fourth time on uh, on our show. He's uh, He's been a regular, and he is irregular. Dr. Gary Chapman. Sir, how are you? I'm doing fine, Drew. Good to be with you again. <laughs> Sounds like you guys are having fun. Way too much fun. In the studio <laughs> is Tim the Tool on the board and my son, Josh Marshall. He's uh, 26 years old and married. All I have right. to, he's that kind of a son, not a, not a kid. And uh, and our yoga guru Lindsay Vandenherk is also in the studio, so we're all we're all excited to talk to you. My son just got married a year ago, and uh, Josh, you were telling me the other day that you ride and your and your friends all hang out in some group and you talk about love. Do you are you a young young <laughs> married couples group or something? Yeah, the group uh, it was it's like a home church for n- newly married couples, which sounded awful. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna when say. it was proposed to me, but it's actually been uh, really good. Do you talk about uh, like real stuff, or is it? Yeah, just- it's not as deep as I would like it to go. I kind of um, like it when it, the conversations go a little deep, deeper. And um, but it, it's it's been okay. It's it's been good to hear other people's uh, <laughs> problems to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> right, that always um, helps. Yes, no, but we've learned a lot. We actually did a, a a whole night on the love languages, and I that was actually my favorite night, just because you learn so much about yourself, but you learn a lot about your spouse and. And um, I, I think it's a, I think it's an awesome topic. Gary Chapman, uh, or sorry, Doctor Chapman. Can I call you Doctor Chapman? Sure, whatever you like. <laughs> uh, I remember last time you you told me to call you Gary, so I'll stay with that. Gary, um, the problem with these sorts of things is, I would imagine people would use it a little too formulaically. With and and do you know what I mean by that? Well, I think uh, people sometimes do uh, use the five love languages to manipulate their spouse. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's if you really love me, you would do this. And uh, that's not love. You know, it's manipulation and needs to be recognized. Right. As such. So my love so language. looking my, out for the other person's interest. So the, let's say the woman says, my love language is acts of service. And if you really love me, you'd clean the house every week. Yeah. Is that manipulation? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you know, good. now if she makes a request of you and says, "Honey, you know something I would really like? I'd really like you to clean the house this week." That's a request. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You have a choice to do or not to do, and love is always a choice. So the choice factor has to be there. What do you think? Genetics or family of origin plays a greater role in the development of your love language? I don't know. I'm often asked that question. You know, it's the old nature nurture thing. And I don't know, but I do know that you can recognize a child's love language by the time they're three or four years old. 
Really? That's crazy. Their, their behavior. Wow. They respond to you. My son's love language is physical touch. When he was three or four, when I would come home in the afternoon, he'd run to the door, he'd grab my leg, he'd climb up on me. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. She would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. She wanted quality time. She wanted my undivided attention. And that was true when they were three or four, and they're adults now. And wow. uh, that's still his love language. That's still her love language. Do- so it's there very early. Dr. Gary Chapman, don't think this is the wrong way, but you sound like Joel Osteen. <laughs> in the Whatever, good way, right? In, in the good way. Whatever. Are you from the same neck of the woods? I'm from North Carolina. Oh, I don't know where he's from. Y'all, y'all sound the same he's down the Texas, south. He? Yeah, he's from Texas. <laughs> Decades later, are you sure that there aren't any other love languages? Well, you know, people have suggested there's a sixth love language. One guy told me it was chocolate. <laughs> or well, wine. If, if you bought it, it's a gift. If you made it, it's an act of service. Yeah, it always comes uh, down. One, yeah. one guy said he, his wife told him that her love language was shopping. Yeah, that's not right. That's not right at all. Well, that's that's a that's a dialect of quality time. She wants him to be with her while she's doing this. That ain't gonna happen. Can they change over time? Because I think my love language when I was younger is different than what it is now. Well, I've had people say that. I think uh, the love language tends to stay with you for a lifetime, like other traits. However, having said that, I do think that uh, different stages of life, uh, one of the other love languages may become more important for a while. For example, if a mother has three preschool children, acts of service may not be her love language. But (laughs) I can tell you, if he helps her during that time, it's going to be super, super meaningful to her. Yeah, yeah. I just want to bring the uh, the other kids in here on this conversation. Uh, Tim, the tool, is our engineer and, yes. and uh, sometimes co-host when he says good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, do you know what your love language is? Yes, it's physical. So if I when I cuddle you, mm-hmm. spoon you, yes, you feel that I care about you. Yes, but even when though I say you're you, whispering nasty things in my ears. When I say to you, well done, Tim, you did a good job, you don't hear it? No, I hear it, but it, it's definitely the physical thing. Like well, I God, love, but I can't love you physically. That just, I'm not going to do that. Well, you, you, yeah, okay. You, you could hug him a little there, there more often. Are, there are appropriate touches between two men, sure. Yeah, like you I, know, when I, we hug each other know, when we haven't seen each other. Him on the shoulder, before. wrestle him to the floor, sure. <laughs> wrestle him to the floor. Yes. <laughs> That's like your high fives and your fist bumps. Right. Yeah, we can the do man. Ha- we can do happy baby together. <laughs> Tap out. All right. After the hug. So, um, Lindsay, what's what's your love language? I am words of affirmation and acts of service. So I scored a tie. Now, what happens when someone scores high in two or three categories? Doesn't that mean they're a narcissist? Oh, I think if they if they score high in two, it means they're bilingual. Really? <laughs> Come on. Either either one of those is going to speak deeply to that person. Right. What if you what if you score low in all of them? Unlovable. Well, two possibilities. Number one, you've never felt loved. Uh, you don't know what it would mean to feel loved. Right. And the other is you've always felt loved. And you don't know which one of those really speaks to you. You just know that you've always felt loved. Because probably you received all five growing up. Both of those are very extreme and seldom happen. But there are people who who just none of them, they're all the same to them. Do you, do you think certain vocations fit into certain categories typically? Hmm, I don't know about that. Like, I'm just thinking about actors. 
um, various actor friends of mine, I would say that words of affirmation... Actually, you have a cartoon on your website that, that emulates that thing. Just before Buddy goes out onto stage, somebody gives him a gift of flowers. It doesn't really matter. Somebody does something that doesn't... You know, pats, pats him on the shoulder or hugs him or it doesn't really matter. But when someone came up and said... You know, I think his mom texted him from the crowd and said, You go, Buddy, you know, knock him dead, Tiger, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it made a big deal. And so I was just thinking maybe actors... You know, it's a bigger deal. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to categorize that into vocations. Uh, I think uh, in any vocation, you can have any one of five of these, and nor would I say that they're gender specific, because I think any one of these a male can have as a primary love language, and any one of them a female can have as a primary love language. Lindsay, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Because you and I were talking earlier about the yoga crowd. Lindsay's a yoga instructor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, what do you think? I just was saying to Drew that um, I noticed that most of the great yoga teachers, a lot of the teachers that I've had, um, a lot of people involved in the yoga community, um, I've just noticed, and it's not true for everyone, that they have had a hard time um, maintaining successful relationships. So a lot of the great yoga teachers that I know are, you know, either divorced or um, whatever. So my question is... um, like are seekers, people who are you know like yoga people, are they ever really able to land in a relationship that is successful, or are they always hmm. sort of you know looking for? I don't know how to word it. They're Can looking for the, for the next, like they fall in love with somebody, and but then I they think go- as you know, we're committed to personal growth and development. So as we continue to grow and evolve, and you know, is it possible to stay in a relationship as you are continuing to to grow and change yourself? I think that has more to do with what your perspective is about marriage or long-term relationships uh, rather than vocation. You know, I wouldn't want to categorize everyone in a particular vocation to say, well, because of this, you know, they uh, will not have long-term relationships. I think if you have a if you have the the vision that marriage is a long-term relationship, a lifetime commitment, you're far more likely to follow that then if you have the idea that uh, marriage is just, you know, we were together for a while, but if you don't do, you don't meet my needs and I'm no longer happy, then I'm out of here. And mm-hmm. let's face it, uh, there's a lot of that kind of thinking in our culture today. Yeah. Uh, Gary Chapman, let's just do a sort of a summarizing uh, conversation here about the state of love in North America. When you have a Western consumerist mindset that keeps wanting and keeps desiring and keeps wanting more and we do get bored easy there's this law of diminishing returns which means of course that what once used to turn your crank eventually doesn't and do you think that north americans or the west in particular are are selfish lovers are self you know because we're selfish people we uh that plays a big role in the demise of marriage and long-term committed relationships here in, in our culture well, I don't know if it's only North Americans. I think by nature, all of us are self-centered, and there's a good part to that. That means I take care of myself. You know, I get sleep, I get the right food, I do exercise. That's right. positive. But that self-centeredness often becomes selfishness, which means that I begin to view all of life in terms of what am I getting out of this. And if I'm not getting anything out of this relationship, then I'm going to bail out of the relationship. And all of us, I think, are plagued by selfishness. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where the whole spiritual dimension comes in, that our, our really our whole heart gets changed, and we really do become true lovers, that is, looking out for the other person's interest. 
and uh, we're committed to that. Uh, it's the whole pattern that Jesus said when he said, I didn't come here to be served, I came here to serve. And I think the more we walk with him, the more that becomes our attitude. Lindsay, you pointed something in your book and took a deep inhale about four seconds ago. What were we going to say? Because I just feel like we haven't mentioned yes, what exactly. all the love languages Good are. Call. So, so I feel like we should say So that. let's just, for our listeners, you know, because we're, we're experts here in the love languages here <laughs> yeah, on the Drew Marshall Show. Here they go. Uh, quality time. If, if uh, you feel loved when someone spends quality time with you, chances are the quality time is your love language. Words of affirmation. Tim, you did a good job during the show last week. Hug me when you say that. <laughs> Hug me when you say that. Uh, gifts. Tim, uh, you can have one of these books. Thank you. There you go. That's awesome. Uh, uh, acts of service. Tim, let me tie your shoe for you because... I prefer if you buy me a beer. <laughs> no, that's gifts. And physical touch. Well, you can bring me the beer. Yeah. So those are the areas. Quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Probably one of the healthiest reads in the last 20 years. You've got this other book here. We'll just briefly touch on this. Anger, Taming a Powerful Emotion. Um, Gary Chapman, I've known you for a few years. I don't think you have an angry bone in your body. Have you ever lost your mind over something? You know, Drew, I don't remember having much of a trouble with anger until I got married. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. And I, and I never had I never had really severe anger problems until I had a teenage son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay? Uh, but I think uh, anytime you have a close relationship, uh, you are likely to experience more anger because anger grows out of the sense that someone's not treating you fairly. And when you feel like they aren't treating you fairly you feel this emotion of anger. Uh, and I think if you don't deal with it, if you don't learn how to handle it, uh, it will destroy a relationship because anger pushes you to go against the other person, whereas love draws you to the other person. It's kind of the opposite of that. It's the opposite side of, of love. But I think anger is universal. All humans experience anger because we have a sense of right and wrong. And when our sense of right is violated, then we feel angry. But we also get angry when people don't do what we wish them to do, distorted anger. They didn't commit a wrong, it's just they didn't do what we wanted. And a lot of our anger falls into that category, distorted anger. Okay, so this book will help you recognize the difference between bad and good anger, use anger to motivate you toward positive change, release long-simmering resentment, Tim, and teach others like your children, Tim, how to deal with anger. So... I, I really, you are a prolific author. I've no one has talked smack about you. I mean, Rick Warren and I had a long conversation about you, and he didn't say one bad thing, not one. <laughs> well, that's encouraging. <laughs> Trying to find dirt on you, Doctor Gary Chapman, best-selling author of the Five Love Languages. That's the website, the number five lovelanguages dot com. Number five lovelanguages dot com. Sir, good to chat with you again. I look forward to the next time. Thank you, Drew. Always good to be with you. Bye, Doctor Chapman. All right, goodbye. Remember the first time he was on the show, I called him Gary Coleman. <laughs> what you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? Yeah, that was a very different human being. Right to know, cause here I go.